This morning, I want to conclude this series on winning by talking about the big win. Say the big win. There is a decision that every person must make in order to be able to win in their spiritual life. And the great question is the question of lordship. Will Jesus be Lord in your life? Unless he is Lord, you cannot enjoy the win. Unless Jesus is Lord, the wins in your life, if you have any, will be short-lived. When Jesus is Lord, however, you are in the path that leads to victory in every area of your life. And today I want us to share, I want to share with you something I shared in the Bible study a couple weeks ago. But I believe that it's so important for the body of Christ to recognize what we're going to discuss this morning. It's going to come out of the life of David, but we'll make it uh, clear with the Holy Spirit's help how relevant, relevant it is to your life today. It says, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will be a ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. And they anointed him, or they anointed king, David king, over Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. It is undeniable that you have a purpose and a plan for us this morning. I ask the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach and preach the word of the living God, and I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay as I do so, that the words that come forth from my mouth might be seed sown in good soil, and that it might bear fruit in the life of this congregation and those who uh, watch and listen online. And we ask this in Jesus' name, for God's glory, the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight, or this morning. I traveled in late last night from Denver. We launched our Second extension of the Bethel School of Ministry in Denver yesterday, so let's thank God for that. Uh, it's an exciting time as the, the Lord continues to raise up ministers for the gospel work. Uh, and I'm, uh, again, going to say there's no place like home, all right? So uh, there's no place like Kingsway Church either. The Bible talks about uh, the lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ, really what we're talking about is the control that God has in a person's life. When we talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're talking about a personal decision that every person has the right to make or not make, but which every person must make in order to enjoy the full blessing of God on their life. How many of you want to have the full blessing of God on your life? Then in order to have that, you must... Uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. He must be Lord in every area of your life. The fact is that many times Christians, we do not enjoy the full blessing of God in every area of our life because there are areas where we have not made Jesus Lord in our life. You might be experiencing a blessing in your spiritual life, but your finances are out of, um, out of kelter, they're out of whack because you haven't made Jesus Lord in your finances. 
Uh, some of you maybe are enjoying a blessing in your finances, but your marriage is, is struggling because you haven't made Jesus Lord in your marriage or in your relationships. And so it is very important for us to realize this morning that God will not bless any area that he's not Lord over. God will only bless those areas of our life, those churches, those cities where he is made Lord. You know, there are a lot of churches that are Christian churches, but Jesus isn't Lord in the church. There are people who govern and control the church, and they have set Jesus outside. We have to, as a church, continually strive as a body of believers here at Kingsway to say, Jesus is going to be Lord in this church. Jesus is going to be Lord in every aspect, in every corner of our life. He's going to be the reigning king over our life. When you make that decision to make Jesus Lord, it's not just a decision that you make at the beginning of your spiritual walk, but really it is a daily decision to walk under the authority and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That daily decision brings about a series of choices as well as a series of blessings that come to our life. Now to illustrate this, I want to share with you from the life of King David. About the age of 15 years old, maybe as old as 17, he was anointed to be king of Israel. But he was not king for about 15 more years. That means that for 15 or so years of his life, he lived with the anointing on his life but didn't have the crown. And that lets us know that sometimes God will let us go through a season of our life where his promise is on us but the fulfillment of the promise is yet coming. And when you are in those seasons, it can be frustrating sometimes to have to wait on God. But how many of you are committed to waiting on God? David went a long part of his life, I told you last week, uh, struggling without having the crown. In fact, he was running for his life because the reigning king of Israel, King Saul, was actually trying to kill him. And so in the midst of this season of his life, he has a promise on him that says, you're going to be king over all of Israel. Now, what part of Israel was he going to be king over? He's going to be king over all of Israel. Say all. Well, you know, when he was about 30 years old, the Bible said he became king. But when he was 30 years old, he became king only over the tribe of Judah. Now, Israel had 12 tribes, but only the tribe of Judah acknowledged the lordship of King David. Only the tribe of Judah acknowledged that David was their king. That meant that there were all of these other tribes who refused to come under submission to the authority that God had given to David. And this went on for about seven years. Seven years passed in which David was not king over all of Israel. This is actually a little Old Testament picture of the fact that right now, even today, there are people who have not acknowledged the lordship of Jesus Christ. There are people in our city, people in our nation, there are entire nations who have not acknowledged the lordship of Jesus Christ. But I promise you this, friend, the Bible gives us this conviction and this promise that the day is coming... When every knee will bow to Jesus Christ and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So it's really only a matter not of if but when. Every knee will bow and every confess, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King to the glory of God. Well, that day came in the life of King David. Seven years passed and the Bible says, here we read it in verse 5, uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 1. It says, all the tribes came to David. How many tribes? 
Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? Because that's what God had promised him. David said, you're going to be king. The Lord said to David, you're going to be king over all the tribes of Israel. And now the Bible said that all the tribes came to David to make him king. You know, I like to read that verse a little bit differently because I like to put myself in that context. And I read it like this. Then all the promises of God were fulfilled to Isaac. Oh, I like that. Do you, do you like that? Can you say that uh, when, you're, when you're reading the Bible, do you just put yourself in there sometimes and, and you can say, all the promises of God came to Kingsway Church. I want you to be able to say, all the promises of God came to me. You know, you may have to live a little while before you can say that, but be faithful to God, stand true in your faith, stand true in your convictions, and the day will come when you're going to be able to say, all the promises of God have come to my life. You're going to be able to say, God has blessed me in every way. Say amen, somebody. David was able to say, all the tribes have come to me. Now, when the tribes came to Israel, they, they came to David, they submitted to his lordship. They submitted to his leadership. And four things happened when they did that. And I want to speak this morning about the four revelations of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but I want you to hang in here with me because these four things are probably the most important things I can teach you in your whole Christian experience. And uh, right now, there's a burden on my heart that God will open up your eyes so that you can see the full revelation of what it means to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Now, the Bible says in verse 2 that they came to David and they said to David, we are your bone and your flesh. That's the verse 1, pardon me. Then verse 1, they came to David and they said, David, we are your bone and your flesh. What were they saying to him? They were saying, David, we are family. They said, David, you are going to be our king. And we acknowledge that now that you are our king, we see you as our family. We see you as a part of our family life, a part of our national family. Well, friends, I want you to know this. When you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the same thing happens. You become a part of the family of God. I don't think you heard me this morning. I said, when you become, when you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you become a part of the family of God. Now you say, Pastor Isaac, what kind of family member am I? Am I a distant cousin? Am I an in-law? What kind of family member does God see me as? Well, the Bible says this, that Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God. So when you say, what kind of family am I? You are a child of God. Say amen, somebody. You are a son of of God. That's exciting, isn't it? God has made you a part of his family, but not just any part. He's made you a son, his very own child. He's brought you as near to himself as he possibly can bring you. This is a revelation that every believer can have. Every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can walk under the insight that you are a child of God. Now, there are a lot of Christians who do not enjoy their sonship. They're children of God, but they do not enjoy those privileges because they see God more like their master than they do their father. They see God as a boss. They see God as a distant, bossy, grumpy old man sitting on the throne with a big club in his hand waiting for them to fail. 
But the fact is the Bible paints a whole different picture about God. The Bible tells us about a God who, who says that we can call him Father. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you can go to God and call him Father. You can call him Dad. You can approach him with confidence because you are a very child of God. Say amen, somebody. You and I are not just servants of God. Now, I love being the servant of God. Being a man of God is the most important and greatest task that I can ever imagine being given. But you know, there is a joy that comes to my life greater than being a man of God or a servant of God. There is a privilege greater to, in my life than being the pastor of Kingsway Church. And believe me, I love being the pastor of Kingsway Church. But you know, there is a privilege greater than being the pastor of Kingsway Church. There is the privilege of being called a child of God. When you, yeah, when you call me pastor, that blesses me, but when God calls me son, that blesses my socks off, doesn't it? When God calls you son, when he calls you his own, that is a very special and unique relationship. Now, the Bible tells us that you and I have received a special kind of sonship that's called the spirit of adoption. Tell your neighbor, I was adopted. Now, there's a, there's a reality in human nature that when, if you've had children, uh, parents, you know this, that the children that you got, that the doctor delivered, you did not choose. Whether they were a beautiful child or a beautiful child, you, you got what you got, right? Whether they were smart or really smart, you know, you got what you got. The kids that you have in your house, biologically born, are yours. You didn't get to choose them. Say amen, somebody. Say amen, pastor. He's, pastor's preaching it this morning. All right. But if you have, an, if you are a couple who adopted a child, an adoptive couple has a different set of options. A couple that adopts a child gets to choose, boy or girl. They get to choose if they want to adopt a newborn or, or an infant or a toddler or a, or a, uh, a, a seven or eight-year-old or a preteen or a teenager or even a high school student. Uh, you know, some of you are raising your, your in-laws now. You're raising your sons-in-laws and your daughters-in-law. But... There's a choice involved in adoption that's not involved in biological birth. The Bible says that you and I have been adopted. We have been adopted. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that God chose you. I don't think you heard me. It means that God chose you. The Bible said, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said, You didn't choose me. I chose you. Come on, somebody, I'm talking about the choice of God. And you know what, it, it, it's amazing to me to think about this because God chose me even when he knew me. He chose me warts and all. With all of my errors and shame and brokenness and background, God said, that's the one that I choose. And so I want you to know this this morning. It doesn't matter what you did in your past. When God chose you, he knew your past, he knew your present, and he knew your future, and he chose you anyway because he loved you. He chose you out of his grace, out of his mercy, out of his compassion. Come on, somebody, say amen. You have been chosen by God. 
Tell your neighbor again, I'm adopted. God picked you. He made you part of his family. He said, I'm going to take this one home. This one is going to be mine. And the Bible said that when he did that, he transferred something to us. A biological couple cannot give their child their DNA. But when you and I are adopted by God, God transmitted to us his DNA. He gave us his nature, the nature of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You are now indwelled by the very DNA of God. The Holy Spirit living inside of you, the Bible says, he causes us to pray. And when we pray, the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Daddy, it refers to God as that personal and intimate father. So the Bible tells us that you and I as his children can come boldly before the throne of grace. That we can come with confidence before God. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray like this, our father who art in heaven. He didn't say our creator or our boss or our master. All of those things are great. But he said, our Father. Can you say it this morning? Our Father. He's talking about that relationship that you and I have when we come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now listen, friend, this is important because if you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, you cannot call God Father. Some people talk about the universal fatherhood of God, but God is not the Father of all men. He is the Father of those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. They came to David and they said, David, you are family. And then they had a second revelation. They had a second insight. Now that they made David their king, Israel had the second insight. They said to David, David, we've been studying our situation. We've been looking at our life. And we realized that although Saul was king, you were actually the one who God was using. They said, David, although Saul was king over us, you were the one that let us out and let us in. You brought us military victories. You were our leader. What were they really saying? They were saying, David, Saul had the crown, but you had the anointing. And now they came, not only to the revelation of the lordship of Jesus Christ and the sonship that you and I have in that, but they came to the revelation of the providence of God. They came to understand that there is a hand that is working over our lives even when we don't recognize it. Even when we don't notice it or see it. You see, what they were saying to David was, David, we weren't serving you, but we were still being blessed by you. And I want you just to think about for a moment all those years and days you lived without God. And those moments when you could have died in that, in that drunk driving accident, but you got home somehow. Those days that you could have lost your job, but somehow you didn't. Those days when you could have died of cancer but somehow you were able to pull through and survive and you look back over that and you say wait a minute I wasn't even serving God back then but his hand was on my life his hand was directing my steps his hand was guiding me and can I tell you something friend if he blessed you when you weren't serving him what will you do now that you are his child what will you do now that you call him father Oh, when I think of the providence of God, sometimes we chalk up things to circumstances and coincidence and luck. When my, uh, a few years ago, my father severed part of his finger. We lived in Kennedy. He went to the ER, and, and uh, 
Guess who was on call that night but a finger specialist? And we say, oh, we were so lucky. No, we weren't lucky. The providence of God was superintending our lives. It was guiding our steps. You see, before my father even knew that he needed a finger specialist, God said, you know what? I'm going to arrange for somebody to be on call at the ER in the smallest town in this side of the woods so that there can be a man to meet the needs of my servant, of my child at the moment that he needs it. Come on, church. I'm talking about a God who can take care of the details. His providential hand working in your life. You thought it was a wrong turn, but it turned out to be God's turn. You thought it was a mistake, but God turned it into a miracle. You thought it was a setback, but God turned it into a shortcut to your blessing. You were, you were, you were not able to see it at the time, but God's hand was ruling in your life. You might have married the wrong person, but the hand of God spared you. Kept you from taking the wrong job, from moving to the wrong college or the wrong university. And you look back now and you say, if I, had, if I had gone that direction, I might have missed God. But because of God's providence over your life, you were able to arrive on the purpose of God, on the time of God for your life. And this, this morning, friend, you and I have to recognize this, that our lives are not the random assortment of luck and chance and events, but our lives are being authored by God. History has an author. His name is God. He is in control. He has the last word. I said he has the last word over your life. You can trust him with the details. You can trust him with the small things. When I was a, a young missionary in Chile, I was traveling to the south of, of Chile, and I had to take a bus and then connect to another bus that was going to cross the Andes Mountains. And I had a five-minute layover, which is not a long time, especially in, uh, in, in the bus world. If you've ever taken a bus, you know that they have to take all the luggage off, and then they got to check your ticket number to make sure it's a ticket number on the luggage before they'll release it to you. And it seemed like the tickets have like 17,000 numbers on them that, that the guy has to check and make sure that that, that luggage is actually yours. And I thought, I'm never going to get on that bus. I'm going to miss my bus, and I'm going to be stuck out here in the middle of nowhere in this uh, place where I don't know anybody in the middle of winter and in the middle of the night. So what did I do? I started praying. I said, Lord, I'm going to need you to take care of this. I don't know how I'm going to get to the other bus in five minutes. When the bus parked, I got off the bus quickly and, uh, and uh, decided I would at least be the first one in line to get my luggage. And a young attendant came up to me. He said, are you going to Bariloche? That's on the other side of the Andes Mountains. I said, yes. And so he climbed into the luggage bin and he reached down and he grabbed my two suitcases. How he knew they were mine, I had no idea. He grabbed the exact two suitcases. I said, yep, those are mine. And he ran with me to the other bus. And in three minutes, I was sitting on the other bus with a Coke, a bag of chips, and two minutes to spare. Come on, somebody. God will take care of the details. I said, God will take care of the details. Do you trust him this morning? I said, do you trust him this morning? His hand is governing your life. God is in control of your life. They came to David. They said a third thing. They had a third insight. They said, David, not only do we see that you were 
the leader that God anointed you. But they said to David, you're going to feed us. You're going to be our shepherd. Now they have the revelation that you and I need to have. And that is the revelation of the provision of God. They came to understand that not only was David their family. And not only was David God's blessing on their life. But that David was going to provide for them. I want you to know friend. When you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You can count on God to provide for your life. You can count on God to provide and to meet your needs. And to exceed your needs. Come on somebody. I'm talking about the good hand of the Lord. God's hand of provision. Notice what they said to David, because that's what you need to say to God. They said to David, you will feed us. You will provide for us. You will meet our needs. I want you to understand something this morning, that although you have a good job, your job is not your provision. I, you didn't hear me. I said, your job is not your provision. Maybe you have a good husband that provides for you. That's great. But really, your husband is not your provision. Maybe you get a little, a little retirement check in the mail, but that check is not the provision. Uh, you, maybe you're getting a little assistance from the government right now, but I'm telling you, that's not your provision. Your provision does not come from Washington, D.C. Your provision comes from God. It comes from the almighty hand of the provider. Come on, somebody. The one that knows your need before you need it. And who is able to meet and exceed every one of your needs according to his riches and power and glory. The Bible said, my God shall supply all of my needs. How many? All of my needs. How many? All of my needs according to his riches in glory. He is the provider, the shepherd. What has he provided? He has provided salvation for your soul. Forgiveness of your sins. He has provided the blood of cleansing for your past. He has provided righteousness so that you and I can stand before God free from shame and guilt. Not only that, but he has provided his peace and his joy. He's provided the satisfaction of our soul. And the longings of our hearts are met in him. But his provision goes beyond the spiritual. His provision goes to the physical and the material needs of our life. When he said, I will feed you, I looked around at Kingsway Church and I see, yep, God is feeding us all right. It doesn't look like anybody in here is starving this morning. God is good, isn't he? God is a provider. God meets our needs. But you see, you've got to make him Lord in your life. And when he's Lord in your life, you're going to watch him provide for you in ways that you didn't expect. Ways that you didn't think. I shared in the Bible study the story of the Dallas Seminary. The seminary was about to close because they didn't have the money to continue paying the, the professors, the payroll. They were already several months behind. And so they got on their knees in the president's office, and the president prayed like this. He said, Lord, the Bible says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, so I pray that you will sell some of them and bring me the money. Well, just as he finished that prayer, the secretary knocked on the door. They opened the door, and uh, she said, Sir, I just got a, a phone call from a cattleman in Fort Worth. He said he just sold two train cars full of cattle, and he wants to bring you the money. Can God meet your need? Can God meet your need? Come on, can God meet your need? 
Let me turn that around. Can you believe God? Can you believe God? Can you trust him? Can you trust him with your tithe? Can you trust him with your offering? Can you trust him with your money, with your finances, so that you can say, God has met every one of my needs? He said, David, you will feed us. I was thinking about this. I said, well, a couple million people came to me and said, Pastor Isaac, you're going to feed us. I would hide. And I would call Sister Mandy. <laughs> Say, Mandy, we need a plan and quick. But you know, God has said to the world, millions upon millions of Christians, in every country on the face of this earth, I will meet your needs. I will meet your needs. And not only that, but he said, I will give you the desires of your heart. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a good God this morning. And then there came the fourth revelation. The Bible said that they came to David. And they said to David, you will feed us. And David made a covenant with them. David made a covenant with Israel. Now, you and I don't talk much about covenants, but there are some covenants we still make in the United States. One of them is a covenant of marriage, which, which the Bible teaches us is a covenant before God. And that covenant is one that is for life. We also make covenants where we buy and sell property. We call them contracts. But God has made a covenant with man. When you and I come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we come into a covenant. Now, the first covenant was a covenant that the Bible calls the law. The covenant of law was a covenant based upon man's ability to perform. How many of you already can tell that's a bad prescription right there? That covenant was a covenant based on man's ability to perform righteous deeds. And no one, no man was able to really fully keep that covenant. A covenant was made between God and the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. And he said to them, if you will obey, I will bless you. And if you will keep my commandments, I will bless you. But they could not do it. Well, the, the, the strenuous nature of the law was so great and the nature of man so frail because of sin. The man cannot keep the holy requirements of God. And so that covenant was broken. But God said to Israel, I will make with you a new covenant. I will make with you a covenant that will be written on your heart. I will put my law upon your heart. I'll change your nature. I'll change your inner man. At the cross, Jesus Christ enacted a new covenant. And with his blood, he purchased this new covenant. This new covenant was made between God and man again. Except this time, it was made between God and the man, Christ Jesus. And the man, Christ Jesus, when he made that covenant, friends, he kept it unviolated, unbroken. He fulfilled every requirement of the law of God. And so you and I today, when we come to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we enter into this covenant of grace. Now we no longer come to God on the base of our performance, but we come to God on the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to God not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. We come to God through the grace of God provided for us through the blood 
of Jesus so that you and I can receive the forgiveness of our sins. Not because of how much money we give to the church. Not because of how much uh, good deeds we do or how much we give to charity. But because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come into that decision, because it's a decision, friend. I can't make it for you. If I could make it for you, I would wave my hand over you and all say, all of you are now going to be saved. But I can't do that. You know, God himself won't do that. God has given you the choice. He's given you the decision. You have to decide, I want to make Jesus Lord in my life. I want to make Jesus Lord in my, in my family, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my work, in my finances, in every area of my life. That's your choice. It begins with a simple decision of faith. When you say to God, God, I can't save myself. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace in my life. And when you come to him in repentance for your sin, and you say, God, I'm sorry for the sin I've committed, and I ask you to have mercy on my life, the Bible said that God will wash away your past, and he'll give you a new start, a fresh start through his grace. And now you come into a covenant with God. And this is a covenant of peace. David made a three-part covenant. Listen to what it was. David said, peace to you. Peace to your house. And peace to all that you possess. You know, that's God's covenant over your life. God says, peace to you. That's peace to your inner man. Peace to your mind. Peace to your will. Peace to your heart. Peace to your spirit. He wants you to sleep at night. He wants you to have peace in your inner man. And today he says if you will come and receive Christ as your Lord, that you can have peace for yourself. Peace in your inner man. But not only that, he says peace to your household. That's peace to your, to your husband, your wife, to your children. That's peace to every person that lives in that house. God says, I want to have peace for your household. I want everybody that comes under your roof to know the peace of the presence of God. And then he says, peace to all that you possess. Peace to everything that comes under your hand. Your house, your car. Your goats, your chickens. Your barn. Your land. You say, Pastor, I don't have any land. The land that you will have. Peace to all that you possess. God says, I am in covenant with you. When Jesus is Lord of your life, you're in covenant with God. And I can promise you this, God is a covenant-keeping God. I said God is a covenant-keeping God. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that God will keep his promises to you. God will keep his word to you. For every promise of God is yes and amen. If you can believe. The question tonight is, is Jesus Lord? Have you accepted his lordship for your heart? That's where it starts. Have you made him lord of every area of your life? I want to invite you this, this morning to make a decision to say yes to Christ. To make a decision that is an eternal decision. The kind of decision that not only affects today and tomorrow, but it affects 10,000 years from now where you will spend eternity. The decision to make Jesus Lord is the most important single decision any man or woman can ever make. 
above which house you're going to buy or which car or who you're going to marry or what school you're going to attend or what job you're going to take. The decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life affects every other decision of your life. And when you say yes to Jesus, that's the big win. I say when you say yes to Jesus, that's the big win. Because when you come to Christ, you can receive all of these things we've been talking about this morning that can be yours free and clear through the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite you to just stand. No one's stirring or moving around. If you would, just bow your head for a moment. I'm going to make an, a general altar call in just a moment. But I want to invite anyone in this room this morning who would say, Pastor Isaac, I have not made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't know what it is to be a child of God. I want to know the joys of being a child of God. You say, Pastor, I just want to be happy. I just want to have peace in my life. Friend, Jesus is the peace that you're looking for. And if you say to him today, come into my heart, he'll come. And he'll do for you what no man no religion, no education could ever do. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It's just that simple. So I want to invite you this morning. If you say, Pastor Isaac, I want to be a child of God. I want to know the forgiveness of God and the love of God in my life in a personal way. I want to make a commitment of my life to Jesus Christ. I want him to be Lord if that's your decision, would you just raise your hand right where you are so I can see it? I see you there. I see you there. Amen. Back there, I see you. Anybody else? There you are, sir. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anyone else back there in the back, up here in the front? You say, this is my day, Pastor. I want to make that decision today. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand, I want to invite you to come and stand with me in this altar. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. If you're afraid to come alone, just bring one of those people that came with you to church. Just bring them up here with you. Come on. Would you come? Yeah. Elders, would you come quickly, please? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? You say, Pastor, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm ready for a difference. I'm ready for a change. I want you who've come forward this morning to know that God loves you. God loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you even before you were born. He chose you. He chose this moment to open up your heart to him. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and then the elders are going to pray for you individually. But I want us all to pray together. Congregation, would you just pray this out loud with them as well? Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against God. And I deserve judgment. But this morning, I have heard good news. I have heard that you love me. And I believe that you do love me. This morning, I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sins.
and become the Lord of my life. Control my decisions, the way I think, the way I act. I want to be completely yours. From this day forward, I will serve you. And I ask you to bless my life. Forgive me of my sins. And make me new today. In Jesus' name. Elders, would you come please? Sister Christina, Sister Stephanie. Come around the front if you would. They're going to pray with you individually. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Brother Bill, would you come please? Pray with this gentleman right here. Hallelujah. What a morning. What a morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to make one more invitation this morning. This is to the whole body of Christ. Once you come into this altar this morning, I want to invite everybody who's here just to come into this altar and say, Lord, you are Lord of my life. I trust you with the details. I see your hand of providence. I believe in your provision. I trust you with my whole life. Would you just come into this altar and declare the lordship of Jesus over your life?